0: Hi everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by special guest Ed Murray. So what is Jesus doing in your life during pandemic? You know, I asked this question via text message, and I got some amazing answers from folks. You know, there was a guy who told me that he had a a daughter, and the daughter was making some strange noises, and he found some darkness around the girl, and she was mean. And his wife started to pray, and they started to pray over the girl and sing songs to Jesus around the girl. And now the girl is happy. She's smiling. And he said to me something that really stuck in my mind. When she's off by herself, I hear her singing the same songs I sang. Real healing happening here. And that might sound strange, but that's in the book. There was a man who told me that he found his wife on the floor in a lot of blood. And he rushed her quickly to the hospital. And after many tests uh, of of varying degrees, the doctors could find nothing. The bleeding had stopped. So I checked in on them yesterday to see if I could share this story. And they had more stories for me. (laughs) They told me that not only had the bleeding stopped and the doctors had no, you know, no reason why. The doctors also said, you know, hey, your blood's not going to get red. You lost so much blood. Your blood's not going to be right for a year, and you're going to have to get transfusions. Her blood is right after a couple of months. She doesn't need any transfusions. They were effusive. They went on. They said, you know, we went to visit our kids down south, and we love our kids, and our kids are brilliant and bright, and, you know, but it's a challenging visit for us because they're not believers and they challenge our belief in Jesus. And so we get into some contentious conversations, so we have to pray. He said, but this time we went down to visit them and they were asking us questions about Jesus. Another woman told me that, and let me get this right. She said, I finally handed my anger and frustration of a man that was in her life over to God. And she said, I feel free. And then she reports since then that there's another family member in her circle that has been clean and sober for six months. And then she said, thank you, Vineyard. She thanked you. She's like, I worship every day. One more, because so I, I got a ton of them. A woman with a virulent strain of brain cancer wrote to say that prayer for her health is a continuous conversation she has with God against the reoccurrence. And as I thought about this, as I prayed over this, I, I could see almost the kingdom of God kind of blanketing her house. Kingdom prayers, big prayers. The healing ministry of Jesus that was founded at the beginning of time has never stopped and is happening here in our midst and in this church. And you know what? That's normal. It's the true nature of God. He is a healer and He loves us. If you haven't heard any of these stories or many of the others that are being told, I recommend you join a life group. Life group is where we have time to form relationships. We support each other. We do life together. We celebrate one another's successes. We hold on to each other in these really dear times. But you know what? What I have found in my 13 years of being in a life group, and it's one of the reasons I stay at this church, is that I have seen the most healing, emotional, physical, and spiritual happen in a small group setting when people are praying Jesus over you. If you're not in a life group, and I know during pandemic, it is really tough. Do I mask? Do I not mask? Do I hang out with people? Do I not hang out with people? I've seen healing happen over Zoom. It, God doesn't need us to be there, right? We need his Holy Spirit to be there. So today we're finishing up a three-part series on prayer. Louis, pardon me, Louis Nichols started us off challenging us to be intercessors. Allison spoke to us about place, posture, and presence of prayer. And today we're going to discuss kingdom prayer. We're going to finish this thing up. And let me just pray. Uh, I thank you, Amos, for praying for me. But I want to pray for us. Father, will you lavish us with your presence? Will you make my words your truth? Will you fill our hearts with your love? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if the stories emotional, physical, and spiritual healing are a component of the kingdom of God seem really strange during pandemic, and I don't want to gloss over pandemic, there's about 3.36 million people globally who have died prematurely. There's millions out of work, you know, not just in America, but Globally, there's folks who are struggling. You know, in, in certain in certain countries, grandkids have lost their grandparents. So if it seems strange to you that God is doing something during this time, let me give you some perspective. Think about how Jesus entered the world as a baby and what was going on during that time. You know, at that time, the Roman ruler was Herod, and he oversaw Palestine from about 37 B.C. until Jesus was a toddler. And the historian Josephus characterized Herod in this way, a man of great barbarity towards all equally and a slave to his passions." How would you like to have a leader like that? It was so bad that when Herod died, riots broke out in Jerusalem attempting to overthrow the Roman Empire. They spread to the hill country. Meanwhile, Herod's three sons, who had been subjected to their father, (laughs) left left the area. They went to Rome to fight over who would rule the area. They went to go talk to Caesar Augustus, and Caesar Augustus met these three guys, and he was like, oh my goodness, none of these guys have what it takes to rule the area, and he cuts the kingdom up into three, causing more chaos. There was a town in Galilee, Sepphoris, it was destroyed. The temple in Jerusalem was looted and burned by Roman soldiers, and crucifixions weren't just a Jesus thing. In fact, Rome used crucifixion to put down unrest. People were crucified by the thousands. It wasn't unusual to walk into your town and see crosses of the rebels as a warning to not do this to Rome. Yet into this mess breaks the kingdom of God in the form Of a baby, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. What a mystery. You know, the Jewish nation recognized they needed a Savior, the promised Messiah that the ancients spoke of, a Messiah who would remove Roman oppression, restore the temple to its past glory, bring joy and peace to humankind. And what they got in Jesus was just that, But Jesus said, I'm going to do it a different way. I'm going to to attain those kingdom goals a different way. And so Jesus spoke at length about the kingdom of God, describing it in parables, you know, simple stories that illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson of the kingdom of God as a counterpoint to the kingdom many Jewish folks were desiring. And I would say to that we are no different in some ways than the Israelis over 2,000 years ago. We desire the type of kingdom we want. But let's talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, as Jesus spoke about it, was not limited to a physical city, country, or landmass, or even to the borders of ancient Israel. Rather, the kingdom of God was a dynamic changing, reign of God over heaven, earth, all things visible and invisible. The kingdom of God reminds me of a time I was in eighth grade. Uh, You know, I was in eighth grade and I was called up to the blackboard and there's some young folks here and there's some young folks watching online and a blackboard uh, is like a smart board, but it's dumb, okay? And uh, we use this stuff called chalk, you know, and it wasn't on all these pretty colors, right? We didn't put the chalk. I was oh, in the garden yesterday in Potsdam. There were girls putting nice flower chalk on the ground. No, we valued our chalk. It was white, and we put it on the board, and we had to use it that way, right? And so uh, I have been called up to do this algebra problem, and I, I put it on the board in front of the whole class. The teacher was sitting on a stool just like this, and I walked back, and I noticed the teacher was kind of like doing this at the board. And I sat down in my chair, and I got a better view of what I had just done. And I, I, man, I had sinned against algebra heaven. It was a disaster. And I recognized it when I was back in my seat. So I stood up, and the teacher said, Ed, it's bigger than the both of us. Have a seat. That's a true story. I sat back down. Young lady came to the board, she erased all my work, (laughs) she started over, and what I realized was I had made a mistake at the beginning, and that simple rationalization that I had made wrong on this algebra problem threw the whole thing into a tither. And so what I would say to you is the kingdom of God is bigger than you or I. And really, it's simple. We just have to step back and look at it. Moreover, the dynamic nature of the kingdom of God means overlapping earthly kingdoms. You know, this fact was really hard for the Jewish nation to get their head around. You know, they wanted a kingdom that would supplant Roman rule. You know, they wanted, uh, they wanted Pilate, who was the Roman emperor at the time, and then they wanted Messiah, okay? They didn't want Pilate and Messiah. And so this is why Jesus spent a lot of time explaining the kingdom because he was trying to tell people, get your head around what is going on here. Today, this overlap brings people to ask why a good God would allow such horrible things to happen in creation. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Has anyone ever said that to you? I have friends, unfortunately, who have moved away from the ministry of Jesus Christ because they can't get their head around that question. And I pray for them. My wife, Maria, has a colleague who, witnessing the suffering of another colleague's mom as the colleague's mom transitioned through a, through a death of her husband, through a uh, dementia, through stage 4 cancer through hospice this woman was a missionary and so my wife's other colleague asked her why would a good god allow this my wife's great she looked for the good in the situation because she knows that good things come from god And she said to the woman who asked the question, perhaps God was not allowing, but instead it's very possible he is using this situation so we can talk about the kingdom of God. And I'm praying that as we talk about these things, you will know the nature of the kingdom and your eyes will be open. So let's recap quickly. The kingdom of God is dynamic, overlapping, Overlapping earthly kingdoms, and it's universal not just in this realm, but in heaven. Now let's turn to the parable, a parable of Jesus. Why don't you grab your device or open your Bible? It's going to be up on the screen. If you're here, it's matthew thirteen forty four to fifty three. And we're going to answer some questions, but to to read, The kingdom of heaven, and you know, Matthew in his gospel, in his book, calls it the kingdom of heaven, Uh, and that's because he was writing to a Jewish audience, okay? I might call it the kingdom of God, but to a Jewish person, saying God using that name was, you know, it was too great, you didn't use it. So Matthew, wanting to be contextual to his people, says the kingdom of heaven. He means also the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. His excitement, In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand these things? Jesus asked his disciples, and they replied, yes, they said, we do. And then he said, then every teacher of the religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old the first parable is straightforward enough one man's walking in a field he discovers treasure so great he buys the field the other man is a professional. He makes his living from his expertise, assessing pearls, buying them, and then elevating the price for retail sales. So he buys it wholesale. He sells at retail. Both the man and the merchant find something so valuable they sell everything to buy the object. Now, what's going on here? Well, both the man and the merchant are representative of Jesus. The man walking through the field he does not own. The man is walking through a field he doesn't own. It's not his home. Jesus' home is heaven, where all things are right. But as he's walking through that field, he finds treasure. That field is, Is the earth. Okay? Why is he buy the field and not the treasure? Right? Because the field isn't just the treasure. You're walking through, you find some treasure. I might just buy the treasure. But he buys the entire field. The field is the earth. And this is shown in but if we examine the Greek and shown if we look at some of the earlier parables. He buys everything, the weeds. Right? The swamp, the thicket, along with the treasure. So what's the treasure? Well, it's you and me. We're the treasure. Do you feel like the treasure? When Jesus looks at you, you, you are the treasure. That gets him to buy the entire mess. That's your value. That's your worth. Jesus is also the merchant. Jesus' followers are pearls of great value. Are you following Jesus? Are you trusting Jesus for your eternal life because of his passion on the cross and then the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit? If you're doing that, you are a pearl of great value. And watch this, a merchant buys wholesale and then sells retail. In other words, the merchant buys at one price, and because of the merchant's expertise, nothing that the pearl has done, because of the merchant's expertise the value of the pearl increases. You know, I used to sell wine in restaurants. And, you know, restaurants are pretty frugal. And, you know, they and, and there were sommeliers like me who were like curmudgeons and like, no, I don't think it's quite right, my man. You know, so... They would buy three bottles, six bottles. But one day I went to New York, got a new job, went to New York, and I started selling wine in Brooklyn. And the first shop I went into was Brooklyn Wine Merchant, stepped in, and the guy bought three cases. Three cases of actually Entre de Mer, one case of Bordeaux Superior. I walked out of that store going, this is a merchant. This is what he does. Jesus creates, Okay? Let's do some imaginative prayer. Let's think about Jesus on day one, and day two, and day three, and day four, and day five, and then he gets to day six of creation, and he looks, and he goes, "That's very good." And that's you. You're that pearl. How does Jesus increase your value? Well, I've got news for you guys. We're all not going to make it out of this thing alive. And, you know, when it's our time, Jesus is going to stand in front of his Father and he's going to say, I know him. I know her. She's my friend. She calls me Lord. Don't think about that mess that she was doing in Pottstown or Chester Springs. Don't don't think about that. No. See me, Father. See me in all my glory. See me shining. That's who I have brought to you. Your value is increased, but not just in heaven. Right now. Right now. Let's talk about the parable of the net. You know, Pretty straightforward. The parable of the net, though, helps me reconcile the true nature of this world with the seeming lack of justice that's in it. When the net's lowered into the sea, it captures every type of fish. And then at the end of things, the net's pulled up, And the good fish are tossed away, I'm sorry, the good fish are tossed into a bucket and kept, and the bad fish are tossed away. And this is tough teaching. You know, thank goodness I'm not the teacher. Jesus is. You know, there are those of us seeking and working for justice, and our heart aches for righteousness on the earth, and that's fine, but... Ensure you are seeking the kingdom of God first. Justice, justice for the orphan, the immigrant among us, the widow, the downtrodden, the forgotten, it flows from the kingdom of God, not the other way around. Justice is a kingdom component. If you're a justice warrior, I plead to you guard your heart. Put the kingdom of God first. Jesus says the poor will always be among us, and he tells us to seek the kingdom of God first, and then all other things will flow from the kingdom. Remember, in the parable, all the fish are together until the end of the age. And one might say, that's not fair. And I have some younger friends who say that. Why does it work this way? And I gently remind them, when was the last time you created the universe? I can't even make hair grow in my head. Remember my teacher, Ed. It's bigger than the both of us. So Jesus is speaking to a small group of his believers, and he asks them, do they understand? what he has spoken. And when they answer in the affirmative, he gives them their individual mission. But also, read this as a collective mission for the church. He says to them, every teacher of the religious law who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old, And, you know, I was flipping through looking at the message version. I love this. He said, then you see, uh, they answered yes. He said, then you see how every student well-trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. Think about a general store. Who comes to a general store? Everybody, right? It's the whole world. This is a something for the church. Okay, the church isn't just Chester Springs, okay? The church is Exton, all right? The church should be interested in Downingtown. The church should be interested in Westchester. The church should be interested in Radnor, okay? The church should be interested in Bertrandville behind us. It's ev- everybody comes to the general store, and you, if you're following Jesus are equipped to arm those people with the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven. You can show them the good news, but but get this, you can show them the good news not only by word, but you can do it as well through the Holy Spirit's power, by deed. Let's remember that first story I told about a man and a woman, a wife and a husband, who thought, something isn't quite right here. They were seeing the invisible. And they called on the Holy Spirit, and the kingdom of God fell. And let me tell you, life changed for that little girl. Life changed for their household and the kingdom of God is rejoicing. I can't wait till this girl gets baptized. I'm going to cry up here. (laughs) That's going to be a beautiful day. This is what the Lord says that you can do. So if you understand you are a great treasure, and you understand and accept Jesus becoming uh, a pearl of great... uh, Accept Jesus helping you become a pearl of great value. You understand the nature of the world. And you have become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And you have rights and responsibilities that come with the kingdom. I'm going to tell one story and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I was in France. I was in this really neat tasting, and I finished up the tasting. It was about a seven-hour tasting. We walked out, and uh, some folks heard me talking, and they're like, "Where are you from?" You know, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, je suis, je suis American. They're like, "Oh, American! Oh, oh beautiful!" Yeah, oh, they're 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 going on in French, and they said, "From what city?" And I said, oh, "J'habite à Philadelphia," and they went, "Philadelphia, Rocky!" Right, you know, and I'm like, we're all laughing, we're having fun. But what were they doing? I was a citizen of America and Philadelphia. They were making meaning from that. Their meaning was rocky. Okay, all right. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You have rights and responsibilities. And if people are coming to you and they're not seeing Jesus, maybe we need to think more about the kingdom of God because your, your citizenship gives you the wisdom and the truth and the power and the love to change lives. It's an evangelistic message. You know, now you go, what if I'm not a believer? Well, if you're not a believer, do you want the assurance that comes with following Jesus? Whether you're at home or you're here, you can do that right now. Ask Jesus into your heart. Don't be like me. You know, when I sat down and I looked up at the board, it was too late. We're all going to reach that point at some point. Don't make it too late. Grab your mantle as a royal priesthood doing the stuff that Jesus did because Jesus did the stuff for us. So this is a prayer series, and we're talking all about the kingdom. So what is kingdom prayer? We'll go back to the math problem. It's simple. It might be one of the prayers you first learned in your life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's my prayer today, and it's my prayer that we pray, God, bring your kingdom to our nation, to our community, to our hearts. Not your will, not my will, but your will be done. There was a woman who wrote in to answer my question. And she said, God led me to this prayer the week before the world as I knew it shut down. I came back to this prayer over and over again through 2020 as I faced losses and various heartaches. God gave me a rescue for my heart before I knew how much I needed this prayer. Through 2020, I kept going back to it, giving everyone and everything to him because I couldn't carry the weight of all that was happening around me. She said, I'm still in the process with this but he formed something in me through the pandemic, an awareness that a rescue for my heart comes in Jesus and more of the readiness to turn to him. I'd like to read you her words. This is a a prayer she's said every morning since the 4th of March, 2020. Good morning, Lord. I give you everything, all that I am, all that I have, all that I want, I surrender to you. I give myself over to you, spirit, soul, and body, heart, mind, and will, in my heart's search for life and love. I surrender to you all that is in my possession, both physical and spiritual. I give everyone and everything to you. I surrender to you my deepest desires, all the things I want to have, all the things I want to be. My fists are unclenched. My hands are open. I am ready to receive all that you have for me. You know what is best for me to possess, to be and to desire. I am ready to receive from you. Come. And then she worships all to you jesus all to you jesus all for you i surrender have your way jesus your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in me as it is in heaven I love you, Jesus. So I'd like to invite the band up. We're going to worship. We're going to sing three songs. Then we're going to take communion. And uh, if that prayer touched you at all, it really touched me, find your own prayer, like right around there. And as you worship King Jesus, surrender all. Don't hold it back. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.